up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Top 5 at 5 with your host, Johnny Quest. Today is Monday. May the 4th be with you. Here's what you missed while you were researching Disney copyright claims on Star Wars music and podcasts. Europeans and Americans alike are desperate for some good news with the vid. I mean, honestly, we're all tired of being locked up inside the house. And as Italy starts letting people get back to business this week, while very slowly, one of the things people have recently jumped on with hope has been the promise of potential immunity if you have the antibodies, meaning you already contracted the vid and your body fought it off. But the New York Times is saying slow your roll quote researchers and politicians in china the united states germany britain and beyond have latched onto antibodies as a potential solution to the virus and an outlet from containment measures but that talk always ahead of the science has grown more muted in recent weeks with the research refusing to cooperate experts in italy say the promise of antibodies may not be what people have imagined at least for now we don't know if everyone who has had the disease has developed an acceptable protective immunity said dr alessandro venturi the president of the san mateo hospital in the lombardi town of pavia we don't know how long they last speaking of the antibodies this is the central point that is tough news not only for italy which is loosening it's locked down on monday but for the rest of the world end quote see italy and others have talked about giving people immunity licenses if you pass the test but that's turning out to be not so sure as of yet there's a lot of unknowns still and i think that is the real point we still don't know a lot after six plus months Ugh. <laughs> Joe Biden is running for president, you know, and if there's one thing we now know with our current president, it's that you must be of the highest moral caliber. <laughs> well, at the minimum, you should be smart enough not to sexually harass women or your co-workers, right? But apparently, that's what Joe Biden's been accused of. Tara Reid alleges that in 1993, he pinned her up against the wall in a Senate hallway and did, let's just say, some atrocious acts. She has multiple corroborators to her story, neighbors that say that they remember her telling them something similar to this story, and she says while she didn't exactly cite this incident, she did file a formal complaint. Now, Biden, for his part, completely denies the whole thing ever happened, of course, and recently called for the National National Archive personnel records to be released. If the complaint exists, it should be there, right? Well, that's been a runaround. Quoting Politico, in response to Biden's request on Friday, the archive said it did not possess the records the former VP said it did, and that the documents in question were instead maintained by the Senate. But Senate rules suggest that those documents are maintained by the General Services Administration, which in turn said the records are at the National Archives. By late Friday, Biden had written to Secretary of the Senate Julie Adams requesting that her office take or direct whatever steps are necessary to establish the location of the records of this office. Biden went on to ask that if any documents are located to direct the search for the alleged complaint and to make public the results of this search. But the confusion around the search continued on Monday when the secretary turned down Biden's request. 
Based on the law's strict confidentiality requirements and the Senate's own direction that disclosure of Senate records is not authorized if prohibited by law, legal counsel advises that the Secretary has no discretion to disclose any such information as requested in Vice President Biden's letter on May 1st. End quote. So will we ever find it? <sighs> Who knows? People have also asked that he open up his University of Delaware archives to search, but so far he's refused to open that one. And keeping those records closed while running for office is apparently standard practice. Something about national secrets or something. I don't know. But this is looking to loom over his campaign for a while. Though, I doubt the Trump campaign, with their own torrid history of affairs, cover-ups, and allegations of not just sexual assault, but late last year full-on rape accusations. Yeah, it'd probably be best for Donnie if they just don't touch this one. over for the prepsters the yacht club has a new look and j crew is not it add to that the ridiculous amount of debt they already had and then close all their stores for 30 days just for kicks let's see if they make it well they announced today chapter 11 bankruptcy filings now becoming one of the first quote-unquote retail victims of the ronas but are they really i mean they had over two billion dollars in debt and according to the wapo much of its debt stems from its 2011 acquisition by the private equity firms tpg capital and leonard green and partners in a leveraged buyout so what they're doing is converting their debt into equity so now the banks and lenders basically own j crew i mean it's not like they're shutting down that's much more rare in these days when people say they're filing for bankruptcy but it's not a good look that's for sure. J. Crew joins at least half a dozen other national brands that have filed for bankruptcy this year, including Pier 1 Imports, Models Sporting Goods, and True Religion. A couple of others, including Neiman Marcus and JCPenney, are reported to be considering similar action as they're running low on cash. And if you weren't aware, J. Crew also owns Madewell. They were planning to spin that off into a standalone since, you know, it actually makes money and people really like it. But it's scrapped that idea. J. Crew has been on the bubble for years, said Paula Rosenblum, managing partner at Retail Systems Research in Miami. The best thing about Chapter 11 is you get to get rid of stores that you don't need or want anymore. It's the only way to break a lease. And that right there is all you need to know about that. As at Dave Schumke said on Twitter today, I bet they regret giving me all those spare buttons now, huh? This next story came out just over the weekend, and honestly, I was initially shocked and perplexed. See, we spoke about this very early on in the show, how the U.S. women's national team is in the middle of a lawsuit trying to get equal pay. And this weekend, we got an update there, and turns out the judge in the case sided with U.S. soccer. And at first, I'm like, wait, what? How the, how the heck? On what grounds? Then I stopped being a headline reader and actually read the story, and it's interesting. The lawsuit was fighting two things. One, a violation of the Equal Pay Act, because they were supposedly paid less than members of the men's team. And second, their title seven civil rights were being violated regarding workplace conditions that one has to do with playing on artificial turf for too long compared to the men but the judge said that they quote have not demonstrated a triable issue that women's national team players are paid less than men's national team players so now it gets interesting and i'm not going to dive too deep into all of it 
because we don't have the time. But basically, from 2015 to 2019, the women's team averaged $220,000 per game, while the men's team averaged $212,000 per game. The women had a total of $24.5 million, and the men, 18 and a half. So how the heck did we get here? Well, it looks like they were trying to prove that even though they made more in the same time, they worked harder and did more. But they weren't able to do that. And instead, what the judge found was that the difference in payment structure was because of their union contract from 2017, not the one that they were saying from 2010. Judge Klausler noted that representatives for the players rejected the pay-for-play model identical to the men early on in those negotiations in 2016. In later negotiations, the players offered a counterproposal with lesser bonuses than the Federation's offer in exchange for more contracted players and and higher based salaries benefits that were not part of the CBA between U.S. soccer and men. Therefore, while the women's team argued that after winning the World Cup in 2015 and 2019, they would have made more money under the terms of the men's CBA, which had higher game bonuses, the court noted that there was indisputably economic value to the guarantees included only in the women's contract, end quote. Because see, they had guaranteed salaries per year. They technically made more money than the men did, even though the men's bonuses would have been higher but hell the men haven't made it past round two of any tournament in i don't know how many years so i don't know there was another issue about playing more games on the turf than on grass versus the men's team but that seems to be really from just one tournament mostly and it didn't have really a ton of merit it feels unfair but there's really no legal issue at the end of all this the u.s women's national team will file appeal but now i don't know how i feel about all this a new contract is coming soon, so hopefully they can just get this all situated ASAP. And finally, we lost another great one today. Coach Don Shula of the Miami Dolphins passed away at 90 years of age. He was the winningest coach in all of NFL history. So in tribute to him, I thought I'd do a quick rundown of his history. See, he played as a defensive back for about six years. Then he had a couple of assistant coaching jobs. But it was really in 1969 when he joined the Miami Dolphins as head coach that things really started to change. The Dolphins went to the Super Bowl to cap the 1971 season, losing to the Cowboys. And then they built the NFL's only 17-0 season in 1972. They then went on to win another Super Bowl the following year. He coached the Dolphins until 1995 and won Coach of the Year four times. He finished with 328 regular season wins and 19 playoff victories. His regular season winning percentage translates to a victory rate of more than two out of every three games played. So shout out to Don, one of the best to do it. But I also grew up a Bills fan, so I still got to say with all the love in the world, squish the fish. Well, my beautiful people, those are my top five news stories of this day. And as you've probably guessed, yes, it is the 4th of May or May the 4th be with you and also with you. I always want to say that growing up in Catholic school. I don't know why. Anyways, some pretty cool Star Wars stuff is going on today. 
One, uh, The Rise of Skywalker is now available to stream on Disney+. Plus. There's also the uh, first episode of that new Mandalorian docuseries where they go behind the scenes of each of the episodes. Uh, so definitely check those two out. They also announced today that Taika Waititi is going to write and direct a new Star Wars movie. So I'm hyped. I really love his stuff. He did Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows. He's really great. And to celebrate the day, the official Star Wars YouTube account posted a pretty nice video. Simply, they titled it, Celebrating May the 4th in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's really just mostly clips from the movies, but the overall theme? Helping people no matter what. Being stronger when we're together. And having hope that things will get better. Damn right. And always remember, stay focused, proud, and dedicated. I got you with the news. May the 4th be with you.